and get started. Heavenly Father, we bless you tonight and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity this morning, Lord, to hear your word. Lord, we thank you that you've given us this day, God, that we can have this time of worship. Lord, we thank you for the, the ministry of the Spirit in this place and the ministry of the Spirit in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in us. Lord, you've brought us here. You've brought us to this place. And Lord, we ask this morning for the anointing, Lord, to minister to each and every person through your word. I pray, God, for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for that anointing that we can hear and receive everything that the Spirit of God is speaking to us this day. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, Amen, amen. We're here this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. One of the things that, that we're looking at is in verse number 33. I want to talk to you this morning about the work of the enemy in a generation. How many of you can look around and see a generation that has been afflicted by the devil? Amen. We live in a generation that's been afflicted by the devil. And a lot of people, they want to put their head in the sand and they want to believe that things are still normal. But news flash, right? We don't live in Normoville anymore. It is the enemy of your soul that wants you to acclimate yourself to a society that is reprobate. You are not supposed to fit in to today's culture. If you think you're going to fit in in today's culture and fit in in heaven, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. This day that we live in is a day of evil. It is a day of reprobation. It is a day where evil is called good and good is called evil. If you tell somebody to repent, they're going to hate you. If you tell somebody you can't be saved unless you come to Jesus, they're going to hate you. If you tell somebody there's only one God, not 6,000 or 6 million like Hindus, they're going to hate you. If you tell somebody those things, they will call you evil. But when you begin to prop up the things that are ungodly, they will call that good. This is the day and hour that we live in. And I want to tell you, we have a generation of people that are confused. Confusion is upon the land. There's confusion in the church. You know how you can tell there's confusion in the church? Because we've leaned on We've leaned on smoke and mirrors in our churches. We've leaned on the way things appear. We've leaned on the Bible sermons based off of Barbie and based off of movies of our generation. We've leaned upon the, the laser lights and the smoke and the fog machines. But what we've not done is humbled ourselves before God as a church what we've not done is come back to the place where God has called us to be, and that is to let go of every worldly thing, humble ourselves, turn from our wicked ways, and seek his face. God promised any people that if they would do that, that he would hear from heaven and he would heal the land. Amen. Now, I'm telling you something this morning. There is a work of confusion on the generation today. These kids are going up in a generation where they don't know their right from their left, and they don't know what bathroom to go to. They don't know, they don't know right from wrong. We, we preach to these kids across the street and so many times. It's so heartbreaking when these kids come up and we offer Bibles, and these kids do not have a Bible in their home. You want to know where the trajectory of America is when we have all these children across the street and none of them have Bibles in their home? They don't know right from wrong. 
They don't know right from wrong. And I want to tell you that the, the, call of, the call of God upon the church this morning, we're going to get to, but we have a holy duty in this generation. We cannot allow this thing to sink on our watch. We cannot allow the generation to fall on our watch. Amen. We stand on the shoulders of revivalists. We stand on the shoulders of the Pentecostals. We stand on the shoulders of the men and women who knew God, who tarried before God and saw the power of God in their families to save their sons and daughters, to deliver the alcoholic, to deliver those that are addicted to drugs, to deliver those that were bound by pornography, those thieves and those covetous people. We've seen the power of God do a work in a generation before, and yet on our way watch we live in a generation under confusion look with me in verse number 33 it says that God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints it tells you right there first Corinthians 14 verse 33 the confusion that is in the land right now the confusion that is in the land it's not coming from God it's because we've turned away from God when there are people that turn away from God, they will turn to darkness. How many of you know that God is light and in him is no darkness at all? Amen. If you say that you're following God, but you walk in darkness, First John says you're a liar and the truth is not in you. So what we see is as a generation is walking in darkness, that tells us that a generation has turned its back on God. Now, we're not... We're, we are not here today just to put down a generation. We're here to provide solutions and truth and hope and light. But one of the things that we've got to see right here today is that God has a plan in place for us. And the plan in order for God to do a work of restoration to bring truth back to this church, back to this nation, back to the people of God in our world, in our generation, it cannot be devised by men. How many of you know that, that men's methods will fail? You can come up with a program, amen? You can come up with a program, but it won't do anything in the spirit. Amen. God, listen to me, God will get the glory, not men. God will not share his glory. Amen. God has one means. God has one method. God has one plan to deliver somebody, and that one way is what Jesus did on the cross. He said, when he went to the cross, he said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That means no matter what your problem or your situation is, your background, your age, your gender, no matter what you bring to the table, the work that Christ did on the cross was a draw to your soul. For the rapist, for the murderer, for the liar, for the drunkard, for the thief, for, for all those that have been deserted and lonely and broken and heartbroken, for all those that have been lost and in darkness. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So what we want you to know today is that there is one way to light. There is one way to life. There is one way to truth, and that is Jesus. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. And none come to the Father but by him. So what we want you to know today is that the answer 
is Jesus, not methods. Amen. You look at the generation today, people are running to politicians. They're running to Trump. They're running to Biden. They're running to DeSantis. They're running to Republicans. They're running to Democrats. They're running to to Bitcoin. They're running to cryptocurrency. They're running to bunkers. They're running to MREs. They're running to everything under the sun. But nothing will change until we run to God. Nothing will change until we run to God. Amen. And that is so true in our society, and it's been true all along. But we've, we've been derelict in that. We've turned away from that. We've run to everything else under the sun. But until we humble ourselves and come back to the feet of Jesus, nothing will change. Amen. How many of y'all know that whenever you try to change things, right, in your own strength, they don't really change, do they? All you're doing is just shuffling the deck again, but you're still playing with the same broke down deck. Amen. You can shuffle them all you want. You can color them. You can, you can mix them up. You can change things up, but you're still playing with the same old deck of cards. And what we want is that new life that comes through Jesus. Amen. He said, old things are passed away and all things are made new in Jesus Christ. And until we come to that place where we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, we will continue to be playing with those old deck of cards. Amen. You can put potpourri on them, but they still the old, same old, same old. Amen. Now turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to get into this message this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. I had y'all in the wrong passage earlier, didn't I? I realize that now. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn with me there. We're going to begin in verse 1 through 3 this morning. There is, a, there is a, an obligation on the child of God. Now, whenever Jesus came to the earth, he went to the cross and he paid the price for our sins. He died on that cross, and he rose from the dead on the third day. This is salvation. How many of you know that's salvation? Right? There's no et cetera. There's no, there's no nothing else. Salvation, right? How many of you know that there were many disciples that saw Jesus risen from the dead? They knew what he did on the cross. They saw him resurrected, right? And yet, even after all that, even after all that, they were not who God had called them to be yet. Somebody say yet. There's a lot of people that are not who God has called them to be yet. Because they're not operating in the power of the Spirit of God. See, one of the things that, that the, the Lord is teaching us this day is that in order for us to be who God's called us to be in a generation, we can't do it in our own strength. You know, I've never been able to do anything for God in my own strength. Amen. Have I tried? Well, sure. Have I failed? Every time. But those times that I've got alone with God and got consecrated before God and tarried before God and felt the Holy Spirit come upon me in a new way, a new empowerment by the Spirit of God, though that's when everything changes. And I want to tell you, when you look at the world that we live in, we cannot give the world man-made answers. The answers for the generation that we live in are not man-made. And I'm not talking about just America's answers. I'm talking about you live in this generation. And if you think you can provide man-made answers for your problems, 
You have been lied to and the devil has you under confusion. You cannot use men's logic and men's wisdom for the problems that you're going through. You have to come to God and seek his face and allow the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom from above. You have to endeavor this. Look at what this says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love. Key part right here. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, let me work through this section of Scripture, but this is, I believe, one of the, one of the things that God is, is trying to get into your heart today. First thing first, what does it mean to have a vocation? Uh, everybody knows what a vocation is. You ask somebody, what's your vocation? And they'll say, I'm a carpenter, I'm an electrician, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a this, I'm a that. But when we're talking about biblically vocation, Webster's Dictionary says it is the distinguishing grace that God has put on your life. There's something, there's a special grace that God gives us to do something. It's a distinguishing grace. Amen? Some people have a distinguishing grace to sing and worship the Lord. Amen? Oh, I, love, I, w- I wish God gave me that grace. Am I a worshiper? Yes, but I don't have that distinguishing grace. But there are some people that God's just given that distinguishing grace to. But the vocation now here that we're talking about is a vocation on the church. So it's not like being a plumber, a carpenter, electrician. It is doing what God has called us to do. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit has come? How many of you know that he came for a distinguishing work? How many of you know that the church really don't operate in that? See, there's a vocation that God's given the church. See, he came, he said, Jesus said to tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Amen. To be his witness. Right? There's a vocation established on the coming of the Holy Ghost. He came not so that we could sit in our bedrooms and put headphones on and say hallelujah. That's not why he came. Uh, That's good, but that's not why the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit didn't come so that we could come into our churches and do backflips and run around and do car wheels. Is it fun to do that? Well, sure, let's do it. But why did he come? What's the vocation? What's the distinguishing grace on why the Holy Spirit came? So that you could be empowered to be a witness to this generation. So that you could be empowered to be a witness. What does it mean to be a witness? It means that your life is set apart. There's a light upon you that's not in the world. It means that you don't act like the world. You don't live like the world. You don't laugh at what the world laughs at. You don't laugh at the world's jokes. You don't listen to the world's filthy words and music and TV shows. We are set apart. We are a holy generation. We are a priesthood set apart unto God to live a consecrated life unto him. We have been saved. We have been sanctified. We have been set apart by the distinguishing grace of the Holy Spirit. And what we have to do, look at verse 3, we have to endeavor. How many of you know what it means to endeavor? You got to work at it. You have to set out to do it. 
You have to put your mind to it. You have to seek the face of God on it. If you just let the tide of the world take you, you will not do this. But there's a distinguishing work of the Holy Spirit on our life. And we are to endeavor to do what? Look what it says. Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, I'm going to work in that. We're going to work in that. We're going to preach on that. I've got a whole sermon on it. Hallelujah. But you have to endeavor. In other words, if you don't endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit, and how many of you know you need to keep in union with the Holy Ghost? You need to go where He says go. You need to do what He says to do. Amen? There's also a don't. You need to don't do what He says don't do. You need to don't go where He says don't go. You have to stay in union. And if you're not endeavoring, to stay in union with the Holy Spirit, you are missing the mark of Christianity. You are failing the distinguishing grace that God has given you. You are missing the purpose that God has for your life. And you are leading a generation astray. As Jesus said, if the blind lead the blind, they're both going to go into that ditch. And we see it in every city of America. The blind leading the blind. Churches that are leading men through the logic of the flesh will lead to confusion. But when you get a people that are sanctified, set apart, when you get a people that will set their face upon God and endeavor to stay in lockstep with the Holy Ghost, endeavor to stay in union with the Spirit of God, God will lead you and guide you to be exactly who He's called you to be and to do exactly what He's called you to do. And listen, our generation needs that. Our generation needs the church to be the church. Instead of setting up voter drives to get people to sign up to be Republicans and Democrats, we need to set up prayer lines to get people to go back to their knees and to cry out to their God and to humble themselves and to seek his face and to live for him and if be, die for him. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Listen to this. A... a, the, the enemy wants you to do this. The enemy wants you to live a sanitized, worldly life that has no purpose and no power. That's exactly what the enemy wants for you. He wants you to live a sanitized, worldly life. How many of y'all know what I mean? In the church world, it's those cuss words that we like, we, we sanctify them, right? We sanitize them. Gee willikers. Right? It, it's, it's sanitizing. Right. And so we feel better because I used to curse. Now I just say, gee, Willikers. I've I've tamed it down. I went from Rocky Road or chocolate to vanilla. I've, I've, I've toned it down. I used to listen to this kind of music, but, you know, they are a little bit too far. I've kind of stepped it down to this, that generic, you know, Brian Adams, 80 soft rock. I'm just generic. I'm a sanitized, worldly, no power. No purpose, no prayer life. And the enemy, that's exactly where he wants the church. How many of you know that's a lot of where the church is today? We are saltless. Let's get real. Until we get salty, 
Until we get until we get set apart from the world, the world doesn't care if you're sanitized. The world doesn't care if you say gee willikers instead of cursing. Don't bother them a bit. But when you get on fire for God and you start praying in the Holy Ghost and you start preaching in the Holy Ghost and you start living in union with the Holy Ghost and you start being led by the Holy Ghost and you start going where the Holy Ghost says to go and talking to who the Holy Ghost says to talk to, you done set the radar of hell on your back. And that's what God is looking for in this generation. That's why the Holy Ghost came, so that you could go to where the enemy is, go to the enemy's camp, and snatch out of the fire those that are drifting into hell. God has called us to be a set-apart people, a holy people, with a burden from God to go rescue those that are in danger. Amen? Did not Jesus say that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church? Did he not say that? The gate of hell will not prevail against the church. When was the last time you went and knocked on the gate of hell and said, that one belongs to God. Give me that one back right now in Jesus' name. When was the last time we went and knocked on the gate of hell and called back our, our, our mom or our dad or our son or our daughter, our husband, our co-worker, and we said, that one belongs to God in the name of Jesus. You cannot have my daughter. You cannot have my son. You cannot have my brother, my sister. You cannot have them in the name of Jesus. You see, the Holy Ghost has come so that you can be that witness in your family, that witness in your generation. And what we need today, this, look, this is not men's wisdom. This is not men's logic. This is Holy Ghost. This is what the Holy Ghost does. Amen. Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Amen. So we have to endeavor to keep in union with the Holy Ghost. We have, to, we have to stay ready, willing, and able. We have to stay and endeavor to do this. Listen to this. Unity means oneness. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Oneness means unity. Unity means oneness. Go look it up in the Webster's Dictionary. 1828. Don't go newer. But the word unity means oneness. Can you truly say that there's oneness between you and the Spirit of God? Can you truly say that? Or is there a degree of separation? Maybe two. Maybe four. You see, this is the, the root issue. We have to endeavor to make sure, not that you're staying in step with Pastor Kenny. Not that you're staying in step with Gospel Lighthouse Church. You have to make sure that you're staying in lockstep with the Holy Ghost. Endeavoring to keep that unity with the Spirit of God. This comes between you and the Holy Ghost in you, if you're saved. Baptized in the Holy Ghost, you have to do this. So endeavoring to do this, one of the things that we have to do is, is we have to keep ourselves in this place of oneness. Here's one of the ways that the Lord spoke to me on this. We have to make sure that there's a flow coming in and a flow coming out. How many of you know that there's a flow coming in of the Holy Spirit? How many of you have received that heavenly flow? Amen. It comes from the streams. Amen. That run through heaven. Amen. And it flows through our soul. And, and, but there's, a, there's an additional layer to this that you got to understand. 
God's not going to give you those rivers of living water just so that you can sit in your bedroom and keep your headphones on. There's a purpose for the living water in you. The living water in you will satisfy your soul to the point to where you'll never want to drink from the, from the filth of the world again. Once you've tasted the living water, God said in his word, taste and see that he's good. Amen. Taste and see that God is good. Once you've drank from those living waters in your soul, you'll never care for the sewer water of the world. But there's more to this. Because the water doesn't come and sit and collect in a lake or a pond and then become dormant. But it says it flows in the name of Jesus. And what the world needs today is they need that living water to flow through you. Amen. The church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a fountain of living water in a generation that has none. Amen. We are supposed to stand up and let the word of God come out. And the world today needs to hear and take and see the living water through you. You have a holy vocation. You have a distinguishing grace on your life. God has given you the Holy Ghost so that you can be a fountain of living water in a generation that is in a desert today. We live in a generation that has no water. We live in a generation that are going here, they're going there. You see those cartoons about deserts and there's a mirage. It's, it's, just, a, it's just an image. They think it's real, but it's a mirage. How many of y'all know what a mirage is? How many of you know there's a lot of mirages in the world? How many of you have been tricked by a mirage? This is what I need. Another bottle of Jim Beam. This is what I need to shoot up one more time. This is what I need. It's a mirage. And then you fall flat on your face in the dirt, in the sand, and you're drier and deader than ever. We live in a generation that is dry, that is dead, that is wandering in a desert, that is stuck in the confusion that the devil has put upon it. But God has given you a holy calling, a vocation to be set apart from the world, to be a vessel of hope and light to the world, that the fountain of living water would flow through you and touch other people. That's what God wants to do in you. But you've got to endeavor to stay in union with the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you know the people don't need to hear what I say? Come on, somebody. You know, before I preach, I always pray for the anointing. You know why? Because you don't need what I've got. You don't need me. You need the Spirit of God to speak through me. You need the Spirit of God in you. And others don't need what you have. They need to hear the Holy Ghost through you. They need the Holy Ghost in you. They need you to be a witness to them. They need you to be a light to them. They need to see those living waters flowing through you. Amen? So one of the things that we see here is that, um, that we have to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. How many of you know that some people grieve the Spirit? Some people stay in union and some people grieve. There's no, different. There's no in the middle. You're either grieving God or you're staying in union with the Spirit of God. But there's no in the middle. Amen. Oh, we want to stay in the middle. I'm not bothering nobody. You might be grieving God. I'm not hurting nobody. I'm not robbing any banks. I'm not stealing anything. I'm just enjoying life. Maybe you're grieving the spirit of God. Maybe you're not robbing a bank, but you might be robbing the grace of God. Because he saved you for a purpose. 
He set you apart for a purpose. He gave you the Holy Ghost for a purpose. Stop robbing God. Don't rebel against him. Don't grieve him. Notice there's no in the middle. You're either endeavoring to stay in union or you're not in union. But you can't do both. And the devil wants you to stay in confusion, wants you to think you can do both. Amen? How many of you know my mama taught me you can't have your cake and eat it too? You either eat it or you can look at it, but you can't do both. Amen? And it's that way with the Spirit of God. Amen. Let me show you something in uh, John chapter 7. Turn with me to John chapter 7. Let's get in, 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 let's get some red letters on the subject. How many of y'all like that song, Red Letters? Let's look at what Jesus said on the matter. John chapter 7. He knows that you need the living water. How many of y'all have tasted and seen that God's good? Man, God is good. And and when you taste and those living waters flow in you, how can you be satisfied drinking from the sewer of the world system anymore? Amen? You know, I, I worked a job one time. Hallelujah. I worked a job one time, and, and it, was a, it was a job where um, at the beginning of it, I was the only Christian there. At the end of it, about a third of the place was Christian. Glory to God. It was amazing work that God did. But there was a moment where I was the only Christian there, and, well, at least outwardly, right? But, um, but one of the things that happened was these people would talk so vile, so nasty, so worldly. They would curse. They would talk about, uh, uh, you know, fornicating and adultery. And they would tell dirty jokes. It was just filthy, rotten. And every time they started talking, I'd walk away. I'd just walk away. And, um, you know, one of them said one time, oh, I- I'm sorry. Uh, you, 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 you must be so sensitive you can't handle it, right? You must be so sensitive you can't handle it. I said, no, I've got Holy Ghost on my ears, right? He protects me. He protects me. You know, you can't stop what you're doing when you're in the world. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I know you can't stop. You can put duct tape on your mouth, but you've got filth in your heart, and it's going to come out of your mouth. You can't stop. But I don't have to listen to it. Amen. I can turn the channel. That's why I don't have cable, right? But I can turn the, if something's filthy, I can turn the channel. I can walk out the room. I can excuse myself. I can turn off the radio. I don't have to read ungodly stuff. I don't have to listen to ungodly stuff because the Bible tells me in Proverbs chapter 4, listen to me very closely, to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. Some of you need to hold on to that verse. It's Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. God is not playing. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are the issues of life. You will not flow with the living water if you're still letting sewage in. That's why a lot of people aren't used to God is because they allow sewer water in and they expect beautiful water out. It's not how it works in the kingdom of God. Amen. 
You can't play on both sides of the fence. Understand that this world is opposed to God. This world crucified Jesus. Jesus said if they hate you, they hated him first. Amen. There's no gray area. Well, we're getting somewhere. I wasn't planning on going, but let's look at this. In John 7, verse 37, it says, In the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. How many of y'all know that, that Jesus, at this point, when it says he cried, it means he lifted his voice. This is what the word preach means. It means to lift your voice and to cry out. He's not reading like a book lecture. It means he's standing up and he's actually lifting his voice like a trumpet. Isaiah says to cry out, lift your voice like a trumpet. It says Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Well, you have to ask yourself if you're thirsty. You have to ask yourself if you're tired of drinking from the sewer of the water of, of the world. You see, the, the generation today, we can't force feed them God. They have to get thirsty. Amen. They have to get thirsty. Some people are mighty fine drinking the sewer. They're fine. I'm not fine with that, but they're fine. So we have a job to do. We've got to lift up Jesus. We've got to keep preaching Jesus. We've got to keep proclaiming the truth. We've got to keep praying and tearing down those walls and keep speaking the word of God over their life. Amen. Sometimes people, they're satisfied there. But Jesus said, if you thirst, come. Are you thirsty for God? Ask yourself that. Am I truly Thirsty for God. You know, David had a way with words. He would hunger and thirst after God. God called David that man after his own heart because he would lay down his pride. He would lay down his image. He would lay down everything to get close to God. Do you have that in you? Do you have it in you to set everything aside and get alone with God? One of the most heartbreaking times in our home, you know, there was a time and, and, and I knew what my wife needed. I knew what she needed. She needed Jesus. She didn't need to hear words from me. She didn't need a, 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 a she didn't need a Hallmark card. She didn't need, uh, you know, the, the logic of men. She needed God. So I just set a time away and I said, look, I've got a, a CD player. I've got worship music going. You go in that room. You seek the face of God. You pray. You cry. Do all that you need to do. But you need God. And I'm telling you, God touched my wife in such an awesome way. It was in the days after we had lost our, one of our babies in pregnancy. And she was hurting so bad. But you know what she needed? She didn't need me to say it's going to be okay. She needed God to say, I've got you. She needed to hear the words that came from him. Amen. And you know, you have to ask yourself, am I thirsting after God's word in my life today? There's situations that we're facing today that we didn't know that we would be in. We're in circumstances we didn't know that we would be in. And we don't need men's wisdom that leads to confusion. We need God's word on the matter. We need to hear from God. And Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come. You have to ask yourself that. If you're thirsty, come. Come. And drink. It's important. Come. How many of you know some people come, but they don't drink? 
Amen. Some people come. Jesus told the, the apostles, he said, Terry, till you're endued. Come, drink. See? You don't just, you don't just go one time. Okay, you did that. No, you come. You drink from the Lord. He says in verse 38, he that believeth on me. And I love the King James Bible. I always got to point this out. Believeth here is for a purpose. Believeth means it's an ongoing reality in your life. Sometimes some people, I believed way back when in 1914. I believed. I believed. Believeth is a different matter altogether. Believeth means it's an ongoing reality in my life that I'm putting my heart, my soul, and my faith all upon the work of Jesus Christ, what he's done for me on the cross, who he is. It's an ongoing reality. He said, he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This he spake. This spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should, somebody say should, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The Holy Ghost was waiting for Jesus to come back to heaven before the Holy Ghost came down. And, but what he's saying here is, is that you've got to come to him, you've got to be thirsty, and you've got to drink, and if you will do that, Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Amen. What we need in our generation is we need a church of Jesus Christ that is sanctified, set apart, and flowing with living water. We need in a generation today the people of God to have a zeal that comes from the living water. There's a zeal. How many of you know there's zeal that comes from the living water? I mean, you get excited about stuff. Nothing in the natural has changed. But when you begin to drink from the living water, you'll get all kinds of excited. Amen. You'll do a happy dance in Jesus' name. Glory to God. You know, you still got bills stacked up to here. You still got drama on the phone. You've still got problems over here. You've still got all these issues. But you get along with God. You get filled with God. You start drinking from that fountain that never runs dry. And you'll start getting excited. And that zeal will come in that life again. You'll be saying, hallelujah, glory to God. And they'll say, you still got all your bills. I know, but they're in the Lord's hands. Amen. It's all going to work out. Amen. You say, God's got it. God's got my broken heart. God's got my broken body. God's got my broken family. God's got my broken country. God's got it. I can't worry about what I can't worry about. And do, that's how the enemy gets us into confusion. But what Jesus said is, let go of the confusion, get thirsty, come to him, drink, and out of you will flow living water. Out of you will flow living water. That's what you need. Amen. That's what you need. You need the living water. The living water will begin to restore zeal, joy, happiness. Amen. Sometimes I wonder what kind of water people drink from because they're not happy. I got the joy of the Lord. What you get? You must have got something different. They got the sour of the Lord. (laughs) 
Did you get the sour of the Lord or the joy of the Lord? Because last time, huh? It's a taste of seed is good, not sour. I got the sour, sour, sour down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. And some people walk around like they eating the, the Holy Ghost is that sour candy. Joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, though. You begin to taste and see that God's good. You begin to drink from the fountain that never runs dry. God's got his eye on you. Amen. He's watching those sparrows. But listen, he didn't die for the sparrows. Amen. He's looking at those hairs on your head, but he didn't die for those hairs on your head. Amen. But his eyes are on you. His eyes are on your soul. He loves you. He sought you. He died for you on the cross, and he rose from the dead for your victory. Amen. His eye is on you. You have something to sing and shout about. Amen. I may not have the, the number of hairs on my head, or maybe my hairs are a little bit more gray than they used to be, but God is good. He didn't die for me to have a certain color of hair, right? Die for my soul. Amen. Living water will restore zeal and fire. You won't have to tell somebody about being holy when they, get, when they drink from the Holy Spirit of God. When those holy rivers are beginning to flow out of somebody, you won't have to tell somebody, now do you really think that you need to be watching that? Do you really think that you need to be going there? Because when you're drinking from holy water, when you're drinking from holy water, there's a holy thing that God does. It's a birthing that God does in us. Amen. If you drink from the holy water of God, you'll never want to drink from the sewer of the world again. This is what our generation needs. This is exactly what our generation needs. Now, one of the things I want to touch on right here is um, something very important. If you will, turn with me to uh, Second, uh, Second Corinthians chapter 6. Let's talk about this real quick. Second Corinthians chapter 6. How many of y'all want God in your life? I'm thankful. How many of you know that God wants to be in your life? How many of y'all know that God's picky, though? You ever heard it like that? God's not going to dwell in an unclean thing. We all want God. But one of the callings on the church today is to be set apart. I've said it about five times. But God's called you to be set apart for a holy purpose. Are you his? If you're his, be his. How many of you know like when a husband and wife get together, right? You're mine. I'm yours. I don't belong to anybody else. My wife don't have to worry about me taking somebody else to eat, right? I like our lunch dates, but more than our lunch dates, I like my wife, right? I made a vow. I'm yours. I'm not going with nobody else, nowhere. You don't have to worry about me taking a trip with somebody that's of the opposite sex. You don't have to worry about me going to lunch with somebody 
It's opposite sex. You know why? Because I belong to another. Right? I belong to another. Two have become one. When it comes to God, it's the same principle. Do you know that marriages on earth are a reflection of Christ in the church? Two become one. Amen. And Christ, how many of you know that Jesus isn't going to cheat on you? Can I get a witness? Is Jesus going to cheat on you? How many times have we cheated on him? You see, the, the, the nation of Israel, all, all throughout the Old Testament, they were characterized by God as adulterers. Not because they were committing physical adultery, but it was spiritual adultery. They were unclean. In order for you to stay in union with the Spirit of God, you've got to stay right with God. You've got to stay pure before God. You've got to stay filled with the Spirit of God. You've got to stay built up by the Spirit of God. And I plan on getting into all of these in the nitty-gritty, but in this closing part, I want to touch on the purity part. You've got to stay pure. You've got to stay pure. Read with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Now, I'm going to work my way down. This is very important. How many of y'all know that I'm reading God's Word, not mine? You can take it up with him. It says in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? Now you may not know who Belial is, but it's a false god. It would be like, Yoga, Mormonism, Hinduism, it'd be like Islam, any other false god. You can't have two gods. There's only one God. And Jesus said there's only one way to the Father, and it's through him. There's not many ways to heaven. There's not many gods to serve. There's not many paths. God's not you choose. God don't do that. God says there's one way. What concord has Christ with Belial, or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The, now, let me take a step back before I finish these next three verses. The, the part I'm trying to get you to see is that God has called you. This is your vocation. This is what God's given you grace for. God has called you to endeavor to keep union with the Holy Spirit. Keep in unity with the Holy Spirit. And you cannot keep in unity with the Holy Spirit if we're lockstep with darkness. We have to make sure that our lives are not entangled with things that are not of God, sanctioned by God, endorsed by God. We have to make sure that the things in our life belong to him. It says in verse number 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, 
set apart, right? Be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. There's a promise that if you're willing to let go of what's not God, God said, I'll, I'll receive you. I told you God's picky. That's what I'm talking about. He said, if, if, if you'll let go, if you'll get thirsty for God, then you'll say, you know what? The world doesn't satisfy me. I'm not going to drink from the sewer and from the fountain of life. Mm-mm. No, what I do is I realize the sewer water is not satisfying me anymore. I'm done with it. The prodigal son, he was down on his knees eating the slop, working with the hogs in the pig pen, and he realized there's got to be a better way than this. He didn't try to bring his father to the pig pen. He left the pig pen and went to the father, and the father met him on the road and hugged him and embraced him and clothed him with a new robe. And that's what God's looking for in the church today is to say, I'm going to separate myself from the pig pen. I'm going to come out of here, and I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to humble myself. Even if I'm a slave or a servant, it's better to spend one day as a servant in my father's house than a thousand elsewhere. It's better to live for God for one day than to live like a king in the world. He said, if you'll come out and be separate, he said, and touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. How many of you, how many of you truly want God to receive you? I do. More than anything in my life, when I take my final breath and I launch into eternity, I want God to take my soul to heaven. I want God to receive me. This world is short. This life is short. It's a vapor. Do you realize we're one heartbeat away from eternity? You won't care what color your car was. You won't care that other people had more TVs than you. When your last breath exits and your soul is departing your body, who's going to receive you? Heaven or hell? This is important. God said, come out from among them. Don't touch that unclean thing. Be separate unto me. And as Jesus said in John 7, 38, thirst for him. If you're thirsty, come, drink. Notice these next two verses, this next verse. It says in verse number 18, he said he will receive you in verse 18. I will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. How many of you want the Lord to say that about you? I'll be your father. You'll be my son. You'll be my daughter. You'll be my son. You'll be my daughter. I'll be your father. How many of you want the Lord to say that about you? Amen. God's calling on your life is to endeavor. Work at it. Cultivate it. Endeavor to keep unity with the Spirit of God. Amen? This morning, if you need to get close to God and make, make things right, I'm telling you today, God will receive you.
God will receive you. Word of God says that we're cleansed, not by your sorrow, not by your, I'm doing a new leaf, God. I've got a new plan. God's ready for you to let those things go and to trust that shed blood on the cross to make things right between you and him. The reality is, is many of us have strayed away from God. But God's calling on your life is to come back, come back. And the, and the same gospel you heard long ago is the same gospel for today. You've got to trust the blood to cleanse you and make you right. Come to him today. Some of us in here today, maybe God's dealing with you because you've been eh, not as zealous as you should be, not as on fire as you should be, not where you need to be. This message is not about condemnation. You already live in that. This message is about come to Jesus and drink. He will receive you. He will restore you. He will give you life. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And you may say, well, you don't know where I've been. You don't know how long I've been away from God. You don't know what I've done. You don't know. I don't, but God does. And he said, if you'll come, be thirsty, and drink, the living water will flow. That's what he says. How many of you believe it? Amen, amen. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and for this opportunity to hear the word of God preached today. Lord, thank you for the spirit working in us. Thank you, Lord, for the work of the cross. Thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. Lord, had it not been for the cross, we would all be hopeless. But Lord, this morning you're inviting us, some of us, to get right with you. Others of us, Lord, you're calling us to purify so that the water will begin to flow again. I pray, Lord, that you would do a work in us this morning. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, the Lord's speaking to you. I want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you right where you're at. Just raise your hand. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Just slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just tell the Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see the hands lifted today, and we thank you, Lord, for speaking into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you've not forgotten us, but your desire is to fill us. Lord, I pray this morning as we open up these altars that every seeking heart, every seeking heart would find their home at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to open up our altars right now. Those of you that need a touch from God, we want you to come to these altars and just pray to the Lord. Pray to Jesus. And if you need me to pray with you, I'll be right here.